You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to another Thursday episode. What's up, Rado? And I'm doing good. How are you today, Jules? Let's do it. I'm doing swell there. Yes, we made it back to another Thursday, y'all. Happy Friday Eve, if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> listen, if you haven't already, share that stream. Let somebody know that clapback is on, baby. It's time to dig in. We got a lot of topics to let's come and holler at you at. So let's get it. Let's get it. You see that more self-love today, baby. <laughs> um, have you been on social media today? Because there's some crazy story okay. um, going around that there's aliens. And so now we got aliens yeah. back on our timeline. Well, this is not the first this is not the first time we talked about this on the show. But this is the first time that we've actually had fossilized pictures. So yeah. There is a viral image going around um, about an alien corpse slated to have come about a thousand years old uh, that was displayed in Mexican Congress. It's actually one of two bodies. And so allegedly hmm. this alien. Just like E.T. too. Just like E.T. But let me let, I, I digress and say this. So this alien, you guys, um, is has been presented by one of those like UFO trackers, like somebody who's like super into it. Um, you know, I was really trying to find some information about whether or not this was going to be credible. Like I didn't want to just bring it on the show and it was a little bit difficult to find, but I did find an article in Smith Smithsonian magazine that kind of broke it down the best way. Um, and it was talking about this UFO scientist writer TV host, uh, Jaime Musan, that he testified under oath today at Mexican Congress. And he was saying that these bodies are authentic, that they found them in a mine and somehow the they were preserved and, you know, they're wrapped and mummified and that these are non-human human remains. Oh, so they were mummified. Oh, wow. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Mexican Congress isn't convinced. Their scientists are not convinced that this is what it seems to be. And so there has to be, again, a secondary kind of investigation. Um, the research group backing or the research group that is um, allegedly supporting this, this, these findings is really coming off and saying, listen, uh, the National Autonomous University of Mexico said that they don't know what this is yet and they're not backing it that they don't you know in no case do they make any conclusions about the origins right. of the samples um and you know and they're not supporting this so i don't think this is real um i think this is somebody who's crazy who really wants there to be ufos well here's the thing i don't i'm not going to say that there is not life outside of us human beings but this aka aliens AKA aliens, but these particular bodies may not be real. Okay. So this is my thing, right? I feel like anytime the government wants to downplay something, it's a warning to say, hey, it's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> because population control is real. 
And all the government does on a regular basis is try to control the population, try to control the narrative, right? So we spoke either last week on this show or the week before, and I was asking about Area 51. And of course, for so many millions of people love the movie Independence Day starring Will Smith, um, just like I do, right? But Area 51 is a real thing. It is a government entity um, restricted, highly, highly classified restricted, not even the president uh, um, can enter this place. Mm-hmm. But it has all kinds of juicy secrets, uh, of course, aliens and all these different things that they don't want the world to know, right? Because mm-hmm. they will be in disarray, they'd be out of order, and the world will just be in total chaos. We seen the video um, last month, and you remember this, when right. the UFO landed in the backyard, right? Right, right. <laughs> and got up and got up out of there, some of these things you just can't explain. Um, we know that there's life on the other side. They just don't want us to see it, Jules. <laughs> and honestly, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I'm not ready. Well, you know what? I'll agree with that. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'm glad you brought it up. So the guy that you're speaking of, the mm-hmm. the, the 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 former, I think he's a former Navy pilot that works with NASA. He actually was there at Mexican mm-hmm. Congress listening mm-hmm. in. Um, and so he was uh, in his statement. He kind of said that he was there because he wanted to clear the air. No, not clear the air because he's not backing any of this stuff. He wanted to go and kind of listen in and promote that, you know, it's time for us to kind of invest more money and more, you know, and more research into UFOs and in yeah. yeah. life outside of Earth. So and stop blaming it on like uh, comet crashes or some kind of plane crash. Like we know what's going on. Like, Listen, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that these are real bodies, but you until know. until you see one at your front door. And listen, <laughs> you know, I, I love, I love that we got you as our conspiracy theorist. Man, shout All out right. to um, Aliens. It's a TV show on Discovery Channel who speaks, um, I mean, to the fifth degree of aliens. I mean, they, they tell you everything about them. Uh, I'm just going to close up like you. Aliens are real, man. Hide your kids, hide your wife. all right um moving into a little bit more serious topic uh Mm -hmm. the memphis officers the memphis police officers um who were indicted federally in a grand jury in the case of tyree nichols so if you guys remember uh these are the five officers that are being accused of yeah for lack of better words beating the crap out of tyree nichols who uh subsequently died three days later Uh, I'm actually not surprised the lawyers in this case said, you know, that they expected um, this this kind of outcome. But this is a federal indictment. So let us not get confused that they still have state charges coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, they still have state charges that they have to fight. But these are the federal charges um, that are going to come up. Um, So now, you know, the grand jury said, yep, the indictment is in. And so now they're going to have to face federal court in addition to state court what are your thoughts on that so i'm still disgusted um we are living in a time where we have been taught over and over oh excuse my yawns but we have been taught over and over um for blacks to hate blacks and this is just another example of it Mm -hmm. um we have to at some point start looking in the mirror and understanding that people of color 
um, I related, you know, and closely related. I'm so tired of just the hate on black on black to, I mean, let, let me digress for a second because I'm a little excited here, right? I just want to understand how not a gang of thugs, right? Not a gang of, of adolescents. We're talking about mature males, right? Mm-hmm. And our law enforcement that's come together and beat this guy out of commission. I mean, they whooped this guy so bad. They hit him with everything they can find. And I mean, this is the example they're setting. I know. Edge, what kind of example are you showing to the race? You know what I'm saying? To the culture. It is it's so just irresponsible, man. And on top of it, I hate to I hate to just use the, the, the whole black on black thing, but it is also a police issue. The police, the police is their own culture. How you police people, um, the origin of policing, um, how it came from slavery and all those different things. I mean, they are taught viciously, man, to hurt people of color, man. All of this because he wouldn't stop. All right. this, you had to chase him. I mean, what are we what are we talking about here? You they, know, they it's, didn't it's, nothing about body cam. They knew that the body cams was on. They cared nothing about it. But go ahead. It's disappointing to me that we have police brutality mm-hmm. in in general. It's even more disappointing when you look at the men who are supposed to represent um, us. And and again, black people are not a monolith. Right. But at the end of the day, we are categorized in in and represent each other. I am my brother's keeper. And so if that is our saying, you know, what's also upsetting is that nobody checked each other. Um, And I think we need to do a better job with that, not only when it comes down to policing and holding police accountable, but really just each other. Right. Like there's it it really seems that there's no room for anyone to provide correction, whether it be a a young person or a peer or something of that nature, a colleague. If somebody is acting bad and doing bad things, even if you are not a person who is an agitator or somebody who is a part who is taking, who is participating in the violent act or the wrongdoing, you still are a troublemaker by not standing in and saying, back off, like, don't do that. And so, cowards. It, and, and it's, and it's so widely accepted. Um, and so while everybody didn't take the same number of blows or do the same amount of things, all of them are guilty because sometimes not doing anything is going to um, cause you to have to be responsible um, for not for not stepping in and, and, and taking taking charge. So all, association. I've been charging this like this for years. All five of these former officers um, are, like I said, are going to face these state felony charges, including second degree murder aggravated assault and aggravated kidnapping in connection with um, Tyree Nichols' death. They all pleaded not guilty. Um, Are they still employed? No, 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 no. Good. So what got me was the part where this guy was on the ground screaming for his mom. Um, That that took me out. Yeah. Um, To have this guy less than a block away from his home screaming for his mom, and still having these guys hold him against his will, which is the kidnapping part that comes in, and then again continue to just beat on this man. And it's so cowardly to me because obviously we know this guy dealt with mental, um, had mental health issues and things of that nature. And it's like, how cowardly? I mean, what are you getting out of this? Yeah. What are you getting out of this? And as you know, 
I mean, you know, this thing goes deeper and deeper, right? So obviously this case has kind of been swept under the rug and now it's coming back due to the officers being charged. But you do know that there was some intimacy um, with him and one of the officers' wives or girlfriends, right? So I, I don't remember that being true. I think it was reported, but it wasn't founded. Oh, so was it true or wasn't it? No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't confirmed whether or not that was true or not, that he had a, a relationship with one of the officers, baby mothers or something like that. It, it it was unfounded, like they couldn't confirm whether that was true or not. Well, for a story like that to come out, I feel like there's some truth and some association there somewhere. Um, and it it there had, so one plus one equals two. There had to have been some underlying reason to beat this man like this. This was a mobbing. This was a lynching. This wasn't, oh, you ran off and made me run a little longer, so now I'm going to beat you. When that happens, an officer might kick an individual, might even give him a couple of blows. But you, to beat someone to death is personal. You understand what I'm saying, Jules? I understand. And it, you're right. The, the personal touch does feel like yeah. it should be there. The small t- this small town like this, um, them, you know, um, easily, you know, uh, probably, you know, been in the same circles. It had to been that they um, seen this guy some time before, had an altercation, even if it wasn't had to do uh, as far as, you know, with his girlfriends, whatever the case may be. But something else was here. Somebody had an info. This was planned. This 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 was a lynching. I don't know if it was planned we can't say that it was planned, right? But what we can say is that it felt personal. Um, I can't argue that it didn't feel personal. And it, it, to your point, you know, if something like this happened in the city, uh, oftentimes like officers know who they're engaging and interacting with, right? Like they know the people who are hanging out. Tyree Nichols didn't seem like a guy who was hanging out, right? And so if you remember to your earlier point, he ran, right? What happens when you outrun the police? They get They're hella mad. They're hella mad. Yeah, so at me. that point, you're taking your frustrations out on someone. You, you I, said get that part, Jules. I get that part. But again, it's to a degree. When, when officers are mad like that, I've been assaulted by officers in, in the past for these same reasons. They will hit you. They will kick you. They will do certain things to a certain degree. But to whoop somebody to this time length to death, I'm telling you, that is something personal. That's the reason why they're charged right now. Something is coming out. The story is about to hit the fan, love. Trust so me. So you're basically saying like something don't add up. Something don't add up. Yeah. Something yeah. Don't add up. I can go with that. Yeah, it's, it's it's something there for sure, man. But rest in peace to Tyree Nichols, man. Um, no mom should have to see this, view this, feel this. Um, you know, she's gonna be grieving forever to know that her baby was some hundred feet away yelling for her. Like yeah. it's, it's embarrassing. It's 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 disgrace, disgraceful and it's unacceptable. And I'm I'm tired of it. You know, we 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 talk so much about um, that other race that has been doing this to us for so many years, but we fail to neglect what we do it to ourselves. We have to we have to hold each other accountable. We have to hold each other accountable. And you know, there's things that I can't say on this show or on any show, but at some point, people need to be held accountable to the same standard that they put people through. And and I hate to say that, but it's, you know, it's it's just sad to see this, man, continue to happen. And th- the consequence of what they're going to get is, is not sufficient enough. I'm telling you that now. Once you lose a life to this degree, um, 
neglectively like this, it's, it's, I mean, you could just never replace it. So I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the Jews. Um, it gets me emotional every time, man, because when I see him, I see my son. When I see him, I see me. I see your brother. I see my cousin. At any given time, this can happen to any of us, man. And, and, and you know, at some point, we need to start getting police that could police our communities with a loving, um, humbling way instead of using this this massive, ignorant, old-school, racist policing method. Well, I'd like to bring you into our next story, which still is speaking on police accountability. And this is a this is the most disgusting story um, that we have on the show tonight. One of which I never thought I would hear in my lifetime. But there's a Seattle police officer um, who's being investigated after um, he was being heard on a body camera joking about a 23 year old woman who lost her life after being struck fatally. Um, by an officer who was responding to a call. We have a clip um, that, uh, you know, of the audio. So we're going to hear the audio, you guys, of how he felt like this young lady's life was valued. Let's take a look. The Office of Police Accountability is now investigating after body cam footage shows how Seattle police reacted to the death of this woman, Janavi Kandula. And she was hit and killed by an officer headed to an overdose call in South Lake Union back in January. On the way, Officer Kevin Dave hit and killed a college student with his patrol car. The audio recording under investigation is believed to be the voice of Officer Daniel Otterer, the Seattle Police Officers Guild Vice President. And in it, you can hear him talking to someone else on body cam video after Dave hit and killed the student. And we do have to warn you, what you're about to hear is disturbing. I think she went up on the hood, hit the windshield, then when he hit the brakes, flew off the car. But she is dead. <laughs> no, it's a regular person. Yeah, just write a check. Just... Yeah. <laughs> $11,000. She was 26 anyway. She had limited value. Officer Otter has been investigated several times by the Office of Police Accountability for allegations surrounding use of force, detentions and arrests, as well as professionalism. In a statement, the Seattle Police Department says, quote, an employee found the video through their routine work and raised concerns about the statements through the chain of command. Following a review of that video, the matter was referred to the Office of Police Accountability for investigation. We have reached out to the Seattle Police Department for further comment. We'll let you know when we hear back on that. This is this is crazy. So can you can you make this stuff up? No, you, you can't. can't make this stuff up. So this is this is an opportunity to have a conversation about um, something we're going to talk about later on in the show. And that's being it, it's your private, your private thoughts, your pillow talk, your intimate thoughts being projected out. And so this officer excuse me, in an article that I read um, is basically saying that he was joking about what theoretically um, an attorney would say in terms of coming up with a settlement uh, for this lady's family, for this young lady's family. This is a 23-year-old graduate student who was accidentally killed by a car. Like, can you imagine her family hearing this tape? This was the this was the the officer who is the investigator. Not this is not the officer that struck and and took her life by accident. 
This is the officer that showed up to the scene to provide the investigation. Mm. Like this, this is so painful and so hurtful um, that he would even joke around with something like this. And it goes back to this idea that we have to have the right people in place when it comes to community. community. How dare you even feel like this is the kind of stuff that you just don't even joke about. Like you, you know what I'm saying? Like we have to start putting filters on ourselves. Like you want to have, you know, locker room talk and all of that. Guess what? There's no room for that anymore. There's just no room. When you're in that uniform, you're a representation of community. You're a representation of of law and order. You're a representation of justice. You're a representation of public safety. You're the people that we call when we need help in things. And it's just it's unreal to me that he would sit and have this sidebar conversation joking about an incident um, that's so unbelievably hurtful. The the sentiments that he should have, right? Like maybe he's so desensitized, but the sentiments he should have is like, dang, there's a 23-year-old girl that lost her life today and we have to tell her family that she's no, is no longer here because another officer, somebody who in that officer is now going to have to live with the fact that they fatally killed somebody by accident responding to another call. There's so many things, other feelings that you can have for him to sit back and have this jovial conversation with somebody. I mean, he's just an asshole. Like, there's just no other way to put it. Super, super, super. That part. Um, it took me out to laugh. What the hell is funny here? Like this guy sitting up there really laughing. And who is he kicking with? Yeah. Who is he the kicking with? And why are they on track? Again, why this is this is what happens when you don't check your friends. Like okay. you're you're part of the problem by not being like, hold up, Slim. Like that's not a good look. Yeah. There is a natural nasty culture in policing that has become um, normalized throughout the entire country and outside of the country. And the kind of authority that they give these people is just out of control. Too much is being swept under the rug. At, at some point, there has to be a very stern message that we are going to police the right way across the board. And I just don't see it coming. Um, I just it's, it's hard to really trust authority like this, you know. Um, and, and then... Obviously, we're not going to even touch on everything else that he had, right? So we we could touch on that part, but we can also touch on his his previous um investigations, investigations, right? His right. previous citations. Um, what are we doing about those? I mean, you could pull up so many different officers. Any officer that usually shoots a person dead, they got a rap seat, man, as long as it's paged. They're not actual charges. Oh my God! Do you know who matter? Do you know who he is? He is the police union vice president, and he was on the phone with the union president. Wow! wow. These are these are the these aren't regular officers. These are leaders. Yeah, these are leaders. Yeah. These are the people representing all the other officers. Are They're taking the sentiments of their officers. And then bringing that to the forefront, like they're 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 the council, they're the main ones, they're the they're the main guys. As you can see, he's saying he has several investigations since 2014, costing the city of Seattle one point seven million dollars in cases. 
And what is he still doing in uniform? What is he still doing in uniform? This is one of those situations. And think about the last clip um, in the or the last kind of like text line in that video that we saw um, in the news clip. It stated that someone was going through the footage. So this is somebody who was already thinking like, this guy's up to no good. They found this and then brought it to their superiors and said, this is something that we got to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about this. And, and this, this is, is this. Listen, if you're that guy, right? Like if you're that jerk at work and mm-hmm. you're building up a lot of people who know that you're not good, people are going to start targeting you and start looking out. And so shout out to that, shout out to the whistleblower who, who br- brought this to light. Something like this and for people in power and position like this, it's so important that you air out their dirty laundry because yep. this is this is what this is what buries them. This the city of Seattle spending you know almost two million dollars in cases to investigate these claims. That's not burying him. The city is just saying oh, okay. But guess what? Something like this, this audio of a graduate student losing her life and then she had limited value. This is something that says we can't have it. Um, and, I hope, and I hope Seattle push. I hope Seattle push because this is just one of many um, <clears throat> instances that have been swept under the rug. This one just didn't get swept under the rug. I mean, and you know this is not his first time. You know, you know this is not his first time. Converse is saying the officer self-reported after he became aware that the tape was flagged. Questions remain. Would he have self-reported if the tape was not flagged? Do we have to answer this question, Jules? No, of course not. No way. There is no way he would have self-reported. Of of course not. And and guess what? He's not fired, right? Like this is still, it's still under, it's still under investigation because guess what? Can you be fired? Is this against policy? Is this a violation of his, it's not really a violation. It just shows that he's just not a great guy. It just shows that he should not be in position of leadership, that he should not be representing the public's interest. But did he do a crime? No. Is it a violation? Not really. He's in a conversation and he got caught. And he's on the, and he's in the union. So you know what's going to happen with that, right? He's the vice president of the union. So they're going to say, hey, Bob, go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and sit behind the desk. We just we just need you out the public um, face for about three months. He'll be back. Because we'll no, one, no one really knew it. Well, I can't really say that he wasn't popular or no one knew who he was. Obviously, Converge put up that he already cost the city 1.7 million. So they know who he is, but they're going to have him sit back for a few months. He'll be back full flash right in the streets of Seattle, doing what he do. Pulling we'll, people have to, over we'll have to keep, um, we'll have to keep this story alive um, yes. and, and let you guys know what SPD, um, what the determining factors come out of this, but this is egregious. It's disgusting. And um we, we just can't have it. So and like we always say, prayers out to the family. Of yeah, definitely. The who lost their life. Um, we value life here. We value life so much here. No matter what we say on this show on a, on a weekly basis, life is essential. Life is important. Um, love is love. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, let's take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, let's talk about Deion Sanders. Deion, Colorado! <laughs> what I would say to that future entrepreneur is self-care. I think that 
the process of building a business and wearing all the hats that come with that can be very challenging. And sometimes we miss out on um, really cool, important opportunities with people we love and within our community. And although we make an impact as entrepreneurs, you know, to people in our community, especially like with our families, like not only from a financial standpoint, but just from them seeing you live your dreams, it can inspire um, the people in your house and the folks around you. But I also think that entrepreneurship um, can be hard and sometimes you don't think about taking care of yourself. And I think that should be something that's planned from the very beginning when you start to think about owning a business. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, and the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out. Down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. All right, y'all, we back. I'm talk about my boy, Dion. Go ahead, Jules. All right, look, so you guys know that Dion Sanders, a.k.a. Coach Prime, was named the head coach over there at the University of Colorado. So this university, um, their football program was actually failing. They had not won any games in the last several years. He took over the program. Um, and he has done a phenomenal job, like everyone thought he would do. Um, and he's turning their program around. Even their chancellor of the school, uh, the Colorado chancellor is like, listen, this is the biggest story in sports happening right now. They only have one win in their season so far. Uh, but it's still big news because yeah. of the energy that Dion brings to the table. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's my turn to go. Well, I know this is your story, so tell me what what should we be excited about? I mean, I know Coach Prime alone is an exciting. Well, look, I was so excited to be talking about Coach Prime today, aka Deion Sanders, aka the best cornerback in the history of the game, aka the flyest guy in the game. Uh, for everybody that grew up watching Deion Sanders, not only did we love his shoes, his swag, his aura, his everything. Um, this guy is just magnificent. He's disciplined. Um, he stands on morals and principles. And what we love the most is that he brought his sons with him. Mm -hmm. So as we all know, Coach Prime started his career um, a little bit on um, Little League and high school, but ended up making his debut a couple of years ago at Jackson State, um, which is the HBCU, um, a school that wasn't known too well. But obviously when, he, when they got there, he started winning, right? He had his son playing quarterback, his other son playing safety. And like we all know, the guy Travis Hunter, which was the number one cornerback in the nation. Um, usually number one players go to huge schools like Alabama, Florida, Texas, you name it, the biggest schools. But he went to a little old HBCU who didn't even have a practice facility. Um, he went there for Dion and it made national news. And Jacksonville went from a losing school to a winning school. And, um, you know, it was so much slack. Um or so much flack as I might say with Dion, because Dion was offered the head coaching um, position in Colorado and he left. 
and black people feel like we that that he let the culture down and all these different things because he ended up losing uh, leaving his little school. And obviously, with yes. Deion, he brought a lot of a lot of revenue to uh, to Mississippi. But he ended up leaving, coming to Colorado. Um, he fired all the staff. He fired most of the players, and he brought his black players because he's so pro black, and I love it. He brought his black players from Jackson, Mississippi, on up to Colorado. And their first game was against TCU, a school that had that had went not one but was in the national championship last year. And he tore their tail up. His son, that they said would not be able to play on this level, is the leading man for the Heisman this year. Um, ended up throwing five over 550 yards, three touchdowns his first game, came back the second game, and he won this one through another three touchdowns and over 360 yards. So they're showing out. Travis Hunter is, I mean, he's a godsend. This is one of the first players to play every down. He plays cornerback and receiver in the same game, which is unheard of. Um, his other son plays on the defensive side. He's really good. I mean, it's just so much to say. Can um, you imagine this being your dad? Like, can you imagine? I, Coach I want him to be my dad. I want, that's what I'm talking about. I want Dion, Dion, please be my dad. <laughs> This is what makes this story so incredible is that he is literally changing the trajectory and the lives of not his sons. Right. Yes. His sons also in a in a in a true way, like he's taking his star power, his expertise, his leadership, his discipline and infusing it not only into his sons and giving them a platform to like take off on, but all of these other fantastic players that are like, I don't care if you're going to little Jackson State, Mississippi. I'm a number one pick. I'm going to go follow you because I believe in you and your leadership. Mm. He's an incredible person because of the his coaching style. And I think I heard a, I heard about you. I heard you talk about this a lot, especially when we were at Norfolk State in terms of like the coaching and your relationship with that. And you hear a lot of young men. Um, uh, specifically black men, you hear them being able to kind of um, lean into the relationships they have with their coaches and they are like father figures and they look to them um, to, for to, to, to how they should grow into men themselves on and off the field. And so I think Coach Prime is, a, is an amazing example um, of how you give back, of how you... Um, how you take a chance. And I hope that other, you know, former NFL players and even really just former athletes take the chance to say, you know what, I am going to go to H I'm going to go to an HBCU. I am going to coach. I am going to turn these programs around. And then, you know, and then actually I'm going to take over a school, you know, that was once a PAC 12 school and now put it in the, the big 12. And like, we're going to play in these conferences that are huge. And so this is a big deal. Before we move on, I do want to talk to you about this. It's a little bit of tea. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a game that's supposed to take place on Saturday. Seems like it's a rival game. Uh, game, excuse me, between Colorado State and then and the University of Colorado. Yeah. So the coach at Colorado State, Jay Norvell, um, appeared to criticize Coach Prime ahead of the game and in saying, and I quote, that, you know, that his mother taught him to take off his hat and glasses when talking to grownups in an apparent dig at the attire usually worn by um, the Hall of Famer. So this is. I can't wait to hear Dion clap back. He ain't going to let it go. 
Oh, Dion already clapped back. He, he his clap back was like, "Stop what you don't like. You don't tell me what to wear and don't tell me what to do." You know, I love that Dion is authentically himself. Yes, he comes to the interviews with his hat, his 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 thunder shades, his big yes. chains. He be wearing his chains while he's coaching. Mm-hmm. You, if all you can talk about is the way I'm dressed, there ain't nothing for you to say. Man, it for you to say you're trying that's, to find something. That's what makes him so attractive. His son um has the biggest NIL deal. And for some of you guys who don't know, NIL deals are basically um they came into fruition about two years ago, in which they allowed college athletes to be able to get paid. You know, um NCAA made it very clear for the last 50 years that it was illegal, right? Um, and for any student to get any kind of funds. But now these they have they have allowed players to get paid. Deion Sanders, I'm sorry, not Deion Sanders. Um, his son is getting paid 4.7 mil. <laughs> one of the well, not one of, but hey. the deal in um NIL history. And um, I just That's love it. He, he wears his Rolex while he throw the ball sometimes. I mean, he's just so flashy and unapologetic about it, and I just love it. I one thing about us. Players will run through a brick wall for a coach that will back them. Mm-hmm. That's all they're looking for. And um, it, it's this thing, right? Um, so in, in 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 all football teams, you have captains, okay? And those captains, one on the offensive side is usually going to be the quarterback. And on the defensive side is usually like the linebacker or the safety, right? But they're the captains of the team. And that's who you see go out for the toss, the, um, um, the, um, the kickoffs, and all that kind of stuff like that. Dion has something unique. He has L's and he has D's. The L is for leader and the D is for dog. And what he means by that is that the L is his quarterbacks, his ones that's laid back. D, that's dogs are the ones that's untamed. They're just dogs out there. (laughs) And for him to identify that, it just, it gets me hyped right now because it's like, you want to be that. You want somebody to give you um, that claim to fame, you want somebody to believe in you in that way. And that's all it is. When you get a coach that can bring the best out of you, that's how you get your all-stars. That's yeah. how you get the superstars, man. Dion is doing it, man. I have I have officially, I, I really don't watch college sports that much. I usually watch professional NBA, NFL, but I am a Colorado fan. I am doing uh-huh. everything I can to get to those games. Um, they have said that these are the highest tickets in Colorado history. Everybody and their mother want to go to the game. Stephen A. Smith will be there tomorrow, the entire First Take show. You know how big First Take is? They're taking the entire show to Colorado University. It's personal. It's personal. <laughs> man, I am excited, man. Dion is the man, man. Dion he is the man. Well, look, look, look. Let's put let's t- tie a bow on this. We're looking forward to the game on Saturday. Let's take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to have a conversation about pillow talking and getting caught on that jail phone. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. I think my pieces of advice would be come in with humility, enjoy your passion, um, and be ready to work. Those are my three things. I think if you don't have, if you think your product is perfect and you may not need to adjust, you're gonna, your product's gonna die quickly because the world adjusts, people adjust. You need to always be thinking about your customer and what they want. So you may have an idea of what you like, but you gotta move that to what the customer likes also. And two, um, 
just enjoy your job. I love what I do. It is hard. I love what I do. Uh, it's hard and there's, you're fighting mother nature and you're fighting inflation and all these other things. Um, but I think it's made me a better human being. And thirdly, like be ready to work. Don't be lazy. Like just do the research, get a mentor. Like, you know, that also goes with being humble, like find somebody who's done it and then work with them to help you be the best version of yourself. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, and the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out. Down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. One in every 500 African Americans in the U.S. suffers from sickle cell disease. One in three African American blood donors is a match for patients with sickle cell. One appointment to donate blood with the American Red Cross can help save a life. Will you be that one? Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood today to schedule an appointment at a location near you. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Cloud Culture. Messy. It's time to get a little messy. Um, listen, we know all about jail phone calls, don't we? Uh, we know all about them. All about I'm them. So happy to be on this side of the wall. <laughs> but what I can tell you is, is that before you get on a jail call, they tell you that the call is being reported, but never in your, it, never in a million years would you think that it's that call, really yeah, 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 you would never think that it's just going to be like publicized and promoted. But Shirley Strawberry got caught with her pants down. Um, her estranged husband, um, she's now in divorce proceedings allegedly. Um, but her estranged husband has been incarcerated since July of 2022. And in some of their private conversations, she was having a conversation with Ernesto, that's her husband, um, about her visit to Steve Harvey's house. So if you guys don't know, Shirley Strawberry has worked with Steve Harvey for a number of years on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. I listened to it. It's a great show. And she does what's called the strawberry letter. So if you guys don't know the strawberry letter, you know that Shirley going to come through and it's always a messy story about some type of love affair, some type of mess. And then Steve and Shirley give their input and relationship advice. So Chow, Shirley had to give her, write her own strawberry letter. <laughs> so she wrote a strawberry letter, letter about herself, you guys, basically apologizing to Steve for the leaked audio. And so I wish I had the audio to play for you guys today. But essentially what she said is that she's on the phone with her husband and she's telling him, like, you know, I went over to Steve's house. We all were over there. And, you know, she's explaining the luxurious mansion that he has in Atlanta. And she's like, my goodness, Marjorie, Marjorie is Steve's wife of 16 years and she's just like man you know she's got her own gym a spa a sauna a this and that she can get massages it's just a dream and it's funny because they're having this conversation and her husband you know they're just having kind of casual talk and the husband asked like oh well was she there did you see her and he was like oh she was like absolutely not no she wasn't there if she was there we wouldn't have been able to walk around right 
And, you know, she goes on to say that, you know, Marjorie looks at them like the help. Mm. So this was particularly, you know, sensitive to Harvey because guess what? Number one, don't talk about his wife. And number two, they're already in the blogs um, for allegedly being, you know, on the verge of being broken up. Yeah. So we bring the mess in with that, what that's about, or we just going. Well, no, listen, basically, it's just it's just a bunch of mess saying that they're going to break up and that Marjorie. We need to get all the way messy or we just go keep it on this because I'm ready. I don't don't even want to play with Steve and Marjorie. Okay. okay. What I want to say is, Shirley, listen, honey, it's one thing. Shirley apologized and she 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 you know she stood on it and I appreciate well, her. Back up a little bit. Tell the people what she, what she said about Steve. Oh, she she made a comment about Steve um, being winded coming up the stairs and said that you know he may have some he may need to lose some weight or get some health issues. Oh, it really she, wasn't that bad. It really like it wasn't said, really that bad. He said it like this. Woo, child, he moving slow. <laughs> <laughs> And she, you know, but here's the thing: it really the whole conversation wasn't that bad. It wasn't. What made it bad is that you're talk. You got caught talking about your boss's wife. Yeah. And you saying that Marjorie sees you as the help is really how you feel. It doesn't have anything to do with Marjorie. It has everything to do with you feeling like the help. But no, no, why would you feel like the help? You feel like the help, Shirley Strawberry, because guess what? You're on number five eviction. Mm-hmm. You had to move out your house. You don't. You broke, busted, and disgusted. You you're estranged from your kids right now. Your dude is locked up. You are feeling like the help, and then you're seeing this beautiful mansion that she lives in, honey. She don't even allow people to come over there. That and she said it in the call. She was like, "Oh no, I know we're not supposed to be in here, but Steve invited mm-hmm. us in anyway." You mm-hmm. feel like the help when you're dealing with multi-millionaires like yeah. steve harvey got so much money the he, and he even said well, why why do they not feel like they help to steve and, and they help to her though it, it it is a big thing in how people treat you because obviously marjorie is the wife of the rich person so if steve not making a perfect person feel like the help it's it's crazy that they feel like they help from her that's just food for I can't say that they I can't say that she's making them feel like that. I think that they don't feel as adequate. So she's guess what? Marjorie is not their friend. You're Steve's employee. You work for my husband. We are not friends. And so I'm not going to build a relationship with you on a personal level level. Marjorie doesn't want people in her home. Steve Harvey said it on the show. He said, listen, this is why I don't bring people to my house, because guess what? I'm suspicious of Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about that man's wife. Marjorie, I'm suspicious of you. Why? Because she got people feeling away. You know, she got people feeling away. I don't know. I don't know about you, Marjorie. I don't know. We know Steve. We don't never see you. We know we know Lori. Lori be tripping, but we know her. Listen, honey, Marjorie is with the who's who, honey. She doesn't have time. Oh, okay. That part. Okay. She doesn't have time. Okay. Okay. You know what? I I think, first of all, if I'm Marjorie Harvey, Steve, Mm -hmm. don't have nobody in this house. You already know. Don't have nobody. Why do you have people touring my, my gym? That's what you have nice things for, though. 
No, 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 yes. no. People no, no. Show, baby, people want to show off their nice things. Listen, okay. <laughs> For the record, when Rodney would have people come over, the first thing he would do is let them tour our house. Yeah. No, that it's like it's kind of inappropriate to be like, here's all my beautiful things. Well, not not like that. No, that's that's being conceited. Now it's inappropriate maybe to show your bedroom, right? Because people always feel like comfortable in bedrooms. But if you have a nice home, their home is the museum. So you know they're coming over and they're like, hold on, Steve, Steve offer us a drink. We kind of kick it. We have our meetings. But when Margie come around, we get that cold shoulder. Like they they it, 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 it was said that when Margie walks, ice chills come throughout the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. Listen, you better stop talking about Steve's wife. He's already Steve is gonna come for Tasha. Well, she's bougie though. She she bougie. So my my pet peeve with any woman though, um, I couldn't have a wife like that because my thing is my pet peeve for anyone that I'm with, I hate for anyone that I'm with to treat someone like they're nothing. That's my pet peeve because you know from the environment that I come from. So you don't want to see that from a you don't want to see that from a wife. You want to see a loving, loving person. And obviously she has kids and I'm not going to keep you no Marjorie, because it also could be something. Now, let, now, hold on. Let me let me let me digress a little bit or back up. So we did say that um, Shirley has been with Steve for a, a, a decent amount of years. Right. So he's mm-hmm. been, he, he, she's been with Steve for the same amount of time that he's been with Marjorie, Marjorie. before that. Right. So there could have been some tug and war there, not so much intimate, but there could have been, you know, there, there is a reason why they're not on the same page after all these years, right? Because usually who you come into a relationship with, and it seems like they, he came into a relationship with both of them around the same time, and mm-hmm. even might have been with Shirley a little longer, that the, this relationship should have been like a family too. So some of that has to fall on Steve as well, in all seriousness. But let's just talk about what we're here for, and it's this messy, messy um, inappropriate leaking. It is so wrong and, and illegal for them to leak this kind of audio. It's actually not illegal. I looked it up. Okay, and, and what's not illegal about it? So, so this so is so when you're illegal. on it, it's not illegal. It's called the Freedom of Information Act. And so anytime you're on a jail call that's being recorded, mm-hmm. you can submit a request to get these audio recordings, which is so somebody did their the process hasn't been done. That yes, it has. Yes, it has. So that that process was done in this instance. Was yes, there are ten tapes, and they all were legally. But you requested. cannot take these tapes unless there's a criminal. This is the part you need to read. There has to be some kind of criminal intent. There has nope. to be. You cannot just call up and say, you know what, I want to get Rodriguez Norman's tapes from the whole time he was in prison, and you're just some average person for no reason. Impossible. No, you can. And guess what? It's it's a FOIA. So I work for the city council. Mm-hmm. They can FOIA council member white any anytime they want to. And that means if somebody wants to see his social media, his emails, anything on his government phone, anything that's owned by the government, mm-hmm. they have a right to review. Wow. That's it, food it's a real thing. It, it, because any request can be made by any person to any federal agency. The this most intimate, the most intimate, and I say the most with emphasis on it. These most intimate and vulnerable conversations are had on prison phones. Because and the, when a man or woman are in their most vulnerable space, 
And those things should be the most private. I can only imagine what has been said. They better not leak the mother tapes. <laughs> oh, listen, baby, he got caught with mistresses and all types of stuff. So, this is real, man. It, it's real. Like, he got you, caught with mistresses on the on the tapes. Yes, you oh, think that was the only thing they pulled up? No, honey, they have. They, that's why they're getting a divorce. I, well, I, I haven't listened to the tape to figure out why they're getting a divorce, but my my theory in why they're getting a divorce is based on Shirley having a conversation with Ernesto, her former husband, that says, you know, Steve, she didn't say Steve, but she's alluding to Steve. Steve essentially said that there's a a, a piece in her contract that says that she can't be associated with certain things because it pertains, it will negatively reflect on his brand. So she either had to stay with her man or break up with him or lose her job. Oh, this is the worst woman in the world. This is the worst woman in the world. I'm, we're not doing that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm with Ernesto now. Um, that's that's sickening. That's well, sickening. here's that's why sickening. I'm still I'm still Team Shirley because Ernesto is trifling. He's I'm a master. Right. He's a ma- you you haven't listened to the tapes. He is a master manipulator. I mean, he might need some people to talk to, but he's a master manipulator. Our girl is not your wife. Your wife stick with you. Your wife stick with you. It's not even the side girls. Mm -hmm. She needs to leave him and try to rebuild back her life. I feel like their relationship after listening to some of the tapes, Mm -hmm. I, what I feel is, do you, have you ever heard of, um, there's a, there's a word that they call it, but you know how some people get scammed into love. Oh, you feel like that? It feels like one of those situations like he hold on, hold on, hold on, because I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop what you say. But you do know that in prison, a prisoner is able to say the most majestic things. Right. They're mm-hmm. able to come up and say some of the most. I mean, I mean, magical things. So, I mean, maybe he's just in there kind of like in his spell. Is that the, I, I got to hear these tapes because it sounds like these tapes are super, super juicy. What's well, let's, let's talk about why he's in jail. One of one of his charges is child pornography, being in possession of child pornography. Oh, okay. Now that I'm back on Team Shirley again. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Look, am I playing double dust right now? I'm Team Shirley. I'm Team Ernesto. First of all, I'm never going back to Team Ernesto after you told me that. So let's just go ahead and, and invest into our daughter, Shirley. Because Team Ernesto... For Ernesto, that's that's a that's a chomo name anyway. Ernesto. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, so I'm not I'm unapologetic about people who molest children. I don't like it. Um, but that's not hold on, hold on. He it said in possession of child pornography. <laughs> he did yeah, not same thing. They, they chomo. No, that's so, not the same thing. To molest let me, a child let is me, let me give child. let me give you an insight on it, okay? From a professional okay. standpoint, Ben is though I was behind the wall with these these sickening people. So that sickness that they have, a lot of them will say, oh, no, I was just selling pictures of 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 naked children and things like that. No. Right. All that all that is, is a world um, loose of Jews. That's a whole world of nasty, <laughs> sexual craziness that needs to be rid of this world. Um, it's a very, very serious thing. So if you type in any kind of pornography kind of stuff online right now, it might be porn home, excess, it might, you might get X videos, you might get whatever porn sites, right? 
You can't put in naked children or naked. You can't put in that kind of stuff. That stuff you got to go into black webs and stuff to find. So in order to get this, you have to put the work in to see these sickening things like this, man. It is sickening. There is no place in this world for that, man. I'm, I'm no that's why I'm saying that. That's why I was pedophile. But here's the thing. Again, charge it must has to be proven guilty. My thing is, any in prison? What you mean? He's in. Well, he's locked up. He's being held in the Fulton County Jail, so he's he hasn't been to court yet. So you don't know what's true and what's not true. And he has a co he has a co defendant. So if I'm in possession of two of two kilos of cocaine. What are we? What are we talking about here? I was holding them for you. It, it oh, I was holding them for you. Okay, okay, I was just holding them for you. Okay. I mean, it, is it yours? I didn't think it was. Innocent until proven it's, guilty. So look, you see how we just did that? How we was able to talk about uh, kilos of cocaine as yours or as mine? Who's doing that with with kids' pictures? What kind of comment? Let's have this conversation <laughs> when we're talking about naked kids now. How does that go? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. You can't. This is nasty, man. Listen, we're at the top of the hour, so we're going to have to wrap this up. We're having so much fun on Clapback, y'all. So much fun on Clapback. Otto, when you're not here on Clapback, where can they find you? Oh, you guys can find me on all platforms, y'all, at Rado007. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and my favorite, Gmail. <laughs> All right, you guys, you know where to follow me Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Treasure of Jewels, J U L E S. You know what it is. Pull up, follow me. Let me know what you want to talk about next week. In fact, I'm going to be in studio next week, you guys, in Seattle. So make yes. sure you guys oh. topics. I want to talk about something good and something juicy. Listen, Shirley, keep your head up, sis. we going to pray for you. Um, until then, until next week, stay peaceful. Team Shirley, I love you, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs>